0: what up creepies so special announcement welcome to season Season three season three episode one of horror wine and crime we're already on season three guys what the heck how did that happen so fast
1: me and crystal celebrated the two-year annie
0: yes oh my gosh we had some uh Screwball peanut butter whiskey shots to cheers off the uh, season three.
1: With the side of Malibu Splash. Is that yes. what it's called? Malibu
0: Splash? Malibu Splash. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, yeah, we took that down. So that was a good time. Lo came to my parents' house.
1: I got to, well, I was going to say I got to meet Mama King, but I've already met her. I got to officially hang with Mama King and Papa King. Yes,
0: she met my grandparents. Like, And can I tell you,
1: the King family, oh, my God. I hope they're listening to this episode. (sighs) My mom is, for sure. Because they are the sweetest family that I've ever met. Like, me and my husband, they never met my husband at all. And we walked in there, and they they gave him hugs and said, I'm glad you're here. Here's food, eat, drink, what do you need? They were joking. They made us feel like... We've been part of the family for 10 years, and uh, it was a really good time. We had fun. We were like, we would definitely go back to that house. Yay,
0: good. I'm glad that you guys had a good time. Yeah, we played some volleyball. It was really fun. Had some, well, we had pizza and Sloppy Joe's, quite the mix, but, you know, both... Both were hits, so it worked out. I don't
1: know. I didn't get to try the pretzel crust.
0: Me neither. (laughs) So me and Lo are a little salty about that because everybody went ham on the pretzel crust pizza, and we didn't get to even try any of it. I mean, I've had it before, so... Have you ever had it? Oh. Okay, so you're the bigger loser here because you haven't even tried the pretzel crust pizza.
1: Well, we were supposed to go to the Oakland County Fair today, but Mother Nature, again, is jumping in the way of plans because that's what's been doing the past few weeks for us.
0: Don't know why.
1: So if we get pizza, maybe we can get that.
0: Ooh, yes. Yes, ma'am. I'm down for the pretzel pizza. We might have to
1: change up our plans and do something else.
0: Yeah. It's look it's not looking super promising. I don't really know. I can't tell actually right now from the view here,
1: but But we just left Hippie Fest at Canterbury Village in lake orion and aside from the rain it was a good time cute stuff went in a few shops so you got to dry off a little bit you know and we came home with a few goodies some stones some incense it was fun
0: it was really fun it was cool and yeah it wasn't like downpouring so it wasn't like miserable to be walking around there they had like some like music a guy playing drums
1: and uh yates warm cinnamon donuts can't
0: go wrong there obviously so, yeah, it was a good time. I got this, like, skull thing, but it has, like, a flower print on it. It's very it.
1: hippie-ish with purple and pink swirls and, yes. like, the flower child.
0: I'm obsessed with yes. it.
1: Super cute. Yeah, I almost
0: bought, it. You're welcome,
1: like, by the way. Thank you.
0: I know. Lo convinced me. I was like, oh, this is so cute, but I don't know. And she's like, how much is it? And I was like, it's, like, 1850. And she's like, just kidding. Like, you'll look at it and be like, oh, this is from Hippie Fest. And I'm like, she's right. Like, <laughs> I should just totally
1: get it. I will talk anybody into buying anything. I know. I'm a terrible person to shop with. I'm like, oh, you should totally just
0: get I'm it. I'm the same way. <laughs> That's why we're probably so bad to shop together with because we're both just like, oh, yeah, get that for sure.
1: And aside from hippie stuff, I got some really cool snooky looking glasses. Right? I'll post pics later just for fun. Do
0: the poof Do the poof in your hair when you post the pics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But we'll probably get on with the story, because everybody's probably like, oh my god, who cares about your guys' day? Can we just get on with the story?
0: I know. Sorry, guys. Um, but, you know, we gotta we gotta do our intro, talk about our lives, whatever. <laughs> Before we get started, season three shout-out, our first shout-out to... Uh,
1: Mr. Shepard himself.
0: Yes, the one and only... Um, all Deximus. over there at Daximus. The... No, that's not it. Even... <laughs> Daximus. Over there at the Arm Cherry <laughs> Factory. <laughs> Three seasons of shouting out Dax Shepherd, and we have yet to hear from him, so...
1: This maybe, is the season, I can maybe feel Maybe
0: this it. is the season for it. We're, we're getting closer. Crossed. Yeah.
1: We're also working on Drew Barrymore, people. We're, we're sending out the emails.
0: Exactly. So, we'll get there, but, you know, just working on them one by one. Um, But, all right, I guess we will jump into today's story. So, uh, this story is about Brooke Wilberger. So, kind of to give some background on Brooke, she was born in Fresno, California, on February 20th, 1985. Um, Her parents were Greg and Cammie Wilberger, and she had three sisters and two brothers. She was definitely described as a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She was super dedicated to her religion and to her church, Um, and she also was a graduate of Elmira High School, which was near Eugene, Oregon. So Brooke grew up as the fifth child in a large family of six children near Eugene, Oregon. Um, Her sister, her older sister, Stephanie says, we used to just have so much fun dressing her up. She was kind of like our little toy, if you will. She was just fun, which I totally get. I was like that with my little sister, like. Dressing her up as, like, a doll. Like, she was my, like, little play thing because she was, like, so much smaller than me.
1: I had a little brother. That wasn't a thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You didn't get that experience, sadly.
1: (laughs) Not until my my daughter was born.
0: Right. (laughs) So, Brooke excelled at 4-H, and she was a talented athlete. She played basketball, soccer, and she also ran track. Um, She was better than most of the rest of us at the sports that we all played, her brother Bryce um, remembers. Now at the age of 16, Brooke started dating her childhood friend named Justin, and she eventually followed him after they graduated high school to BYU for college. She just really wanted to experience life outside of our community and, you know, just kind of branch out, her mother, Cammie, said, Um, which I feel like is a huge thing for a lot of kids. They want to get out of their hometown, experience, you know, life on their own in a new place, party, be with friends, in her case, follow her boyfriend to college, which a lot of people do. Not always recommended, but that's my two cents. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she definitely thrived in the college environment. Um, But after her freshman year, she had come home for summer break back in Oregon. And her sister, Stephanie, she got her a job at the Oak Park Apartments in Corvallis, Oregon, which was a complex that was kind of just like a few blocks from Oregon State University. Um, And yeah, so she had been going there for work, spending her summers there, whatever. But during the morning of May 24th, 2004, that's exactly where Brooke was when some ish went down. So Stephanie, who was managing the apartment complex at the time with her husband, she remembers seeing her sister from her own apartment at the large complex outside. Um, she was filling a bucket of water around ten a.m. because she was obviously working there. So Brick was expected at her sister's for lunch that afternoon um, to take you know her lunch break there, just go to her apartment, hang out. But for some reason, she never showed up. And when she hadn't shown up by one p.m., her sister went out to like look for her. Because obviously she's like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, did she get hold, held up doing something at the job? Like, what's going on? Where is she? She was supposed to be here for lunch. Um, so when she did go out and start looking for her, that's when she kind of found a, a, a chilling discovery. So the bucket of water that her sister had seen her filling at around 10 a.m. that morning, it She's seen it again when she was out looking for her, and it was sitting alone next to a lamppost that Brooke had been washing earlier that morning. Um, also, her flip-flops were, the bu- were near the bucket. They were broken, but there was no sign of Brooke, so just her broken flip-flops were sitting next to this empty, like, bucket that she had been using earlier in the morning. The little piece of plastic that goes between your toe, it was ripped out on one like end of it and there were muddy toe prints sliding down the actual sole of the shoe. So it was clear that she was trying to keep them like, you know, it looked like she was trying to like grip on to the shoe, but like her foot was like sliding out. And left like toe streak marks with the mud and like ripped out the toe part. Um, Her sister says it looks like she was trying to stay put and stay grounded when she lost her shoes. So Stephanie's like, obviously this is weird. Like that's not a normal thing to see. Like was she trying to run? Like was someone pulling her? Like why are her shoes here and why are they like this? Stephanie's husband then, after she had seen the shoe and the bucket and everything, and they couldn't find Brooke, um, her husband placed a call to 911 at around like 3.07 p.m. to report her missing. Um, In his call, he says, I've got someone who's missing, a worker of mine that we can't seem to find. I'm the manager of the Oak Park Apartments, and this worker actually happens to be my sister-in-law. She's uh, 19. It didn't take long for investigators to conclude that the teen had obviously likely been abducted. Um, Along with her flip-flops, Brooke's wallet, her purse, her cell phone, and her car had all been left behind. So, I mean, obviously, big red flag on probably her being abducted. Um a witness reported hearing someone scream that morning around 10:30, but no one said that they had seen anything suspicious, they didn't see anything happen and there were a few other clues to her whereabouts. So just hours after she had disappeared, they had a whole like community search party underway, just looking for her or for any other clues that might explain what happened to her. Um, investigators, they took a close look at the residents of the apartment complex. They reached out to approximately 2,000 sex offenders in the area as well. Um, Jonathan Sassman, who was the Corvallis police captain, he says, it was a rough day for sex offenders in our county because there was a team who went out and put their finger on every single one of them. Which, I don't really like that sentence. It was a rough day for sex offenders. It's like, well, tough shit for you. You're a sex offender. But
1: yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's a raunchy sentence. I
0: know. I, I, I didn't even like saying it, even though it wasn't like me saying it. It was a quote, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so as the days kind of like went on, You know, they were still doing these searches, investigating, and tips started pouring into the police hotline from people who believed that they had seen Brooke throughout the country. Investigators even took a hard look at a man who had been found with thousands of pairs of women's underwear that were stolen from college dorm rooms just weeks before the abduction. Um, But nothing, they really couldn't link him to the crime. Like, they didn't find anything super serious that linked him to Brooke.
1: I don't know Thousands if they... of underwear, though. That's, like, a lot of freaking stolen underwear. That's what I'm
0: saying, like, it's such a weird crime. Obviously, it was some sexual thing with him or whatever, but I don't know, and I just think it's kind of, like, funny that... I mean, I get it, like, why they looked into him, because she was a college student, but, like, it's also kind of random. Like, was he in the area, or...
1: Maybe. I yeah. Mean, just because he was a college, doesn't I mean he had to live in the dorm. He could have run an apartment or right. a house. Or yeah. Sorority, you know, a fraternity.
0: Right. Know. So Sassaman, the police captain, he says it was extraordinarily stressful. Um, you know, he says the whole situation, being unable to find Brooke or her abductor, he says you had a community looking for answers. You had a community that was scared, was there somebody else out there who's going to be the next victim and we've got a family in tremendous pain and they are hurting which i i can only i'm sure that is stressful to be like in to be the captain and be in charge of an investigation like this has to have so much stress attached to it because you know so many people are like in pain and also want answers and you're probably trying your best to like link everything together but when there's no answers i can't imagine like the amount of stress that has to put him under as well so authorities they finally got a break in the case that they needed um so about 1400 miles away in albuquerque new mexico another terrified college student was kidnapped but she actually had managed to escape her attacker. She was a waitress, her name was Dara Finks, and kind of what was going on with her, she was driving her SUV down the street with her three daughters, and they had seen a naked woman running across the street and into a nearby restaurant. You know, not a sight that you see every single day. Obviously, she was, like, sensing that something was off. Something was not right with the situation. Um, So, Finks drove over to the restaurant where the woman was frantically trying to get help inside. Just from, like, anybody. Um, She says, no one helped her because we pulled around there. And my daughter got out of the car and met her at the door and brought her over to the car. And that's when she said, he's got a knife. He's trying to kill me. Could you imagine that happening, too? Like, you're just driving down the street with your kids, and all of a sudden you see a naked woman running, and then she's like, help me, he's got a knife, he's going to kill me. Like, I can't even imagine, like, that's such a scary situation, because it's like, is he nearby? Does he have a gun? Like, what's going on? You want to
1: help, but you don't want to put your kids in Right, because then
0: also people, there are shitty people who do scams out there that, like, be like, I need help, and then you'd go to help them, and then they end up kidnapping you, too, so it's like... Which, I mean,
1: if you want to kidnap me naked, you put a lot of thought into that That's plan, true. so you might deserve that one. Right, like...
0: <laughs> a lot of effort into that <laughs> one. <laughs> so, um Finks had told this 22-year-old woman, she, who this woman, the one that was asking for help, she was a foreign exchange student from Russia, she had told her to get in the car and they locked the doors just as the terrified woman spotted her attacker in a red compact car sitting at a nearby light. So as soon as she's seen her and she got in the car, or I'm, I'm sorry, seen her attacker and she got in the car, then Finks called 911 and described the man along with describing what the vehicle was that he was driving. Now, the blonde-haired woman would later tell police that she had been walking along the sidewalk when someone just grabbed her from behind. The man then pressed a knife into her throat, pulled her into the car, sexually assaulted her, and then tied her up with her own shoelaces. When he stopped at a rundown apartment complex and went inside one of the apartments, she managed to like break free out of the shoelaces and just booked it to run for help. And that's when Binks had seen her. So using the description that she provided to the police of her attacker and his car, um, which included like a distinctive red flower car seat cover And a small stuffed animal hanging on a window, which thankfully he had that stuff because, like, I feel like that's such a huge indicator, like, so specific and unique that it would be way easier to find than if you were just like, it's just a red car because there's so many freaking red cars out there. Um, So, yeah, with those like clues and everything, police were able to track down the vehicle and ultimately arrest the man, and his name was Joel Courtney. Now, Joel Courtney, he was a 38-year-old married father of three. He was arrested for criminal sexual penetration, kidnapping, and aggravated battery for the incident in New Mexico, but authorities suspected that he could be involved in other crimes as well. Um, You know, the prosecutor, who was Teresa Wally, she says, you don't start grabbing people in broad daylight off the street and grab them into your car when you're almost 40. Like, that's not the way the criminal mind works. Like, okay, yeah. Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> um, authorities learned that just six months before that attack in Albuquerque, Courtney's wife actually had filed a restraining order against him alleging that he had choked her. Um, Joel's sister, Dina McBride, she also had spoken to Dateline and she told them that while growing up in Oregon, Joel, who had apparently a genius level IQ, he had sadly fallen into drugs, he dabbled in Satanism, and was in and out of juvenile hall for offenses like sexual assault and had even attempted to sexually assault her. So, clearly, he was very troubled growing up, got into a lot of bad stuff, and obviously that affected who he became as an adult. She says, his sister says, he would come in the room in the middle of the night, put a hand around my neck, and attempt to sexually assault me.
1: Yeah.
0: It's so sick. Like, it's sick in general, but when it's your own sister, too, it's just like an extra added level of like disgustingness (laughs) yeah um so as investigators were kind of delving into joel's background and figuring out who he was and his past and everything a detective in new mexico learned that in january of 2004 joel had been arrested in lincoln county oregon for driving under the influence and when he had failed to show up in court, there was a warrant that was issued for his arrest. So when the detectives called the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office and spoke to a detective there about the DUI case, he also revealed details about the sexual assault in New Mexico. So kind of the pieces were coming together there for them and the circumstances, you know, they sounded very similar to Brooke's case that was still unsolved. And the Lincoln County detective told the investigator to reach out to Corvallis police. And with that simple, small conversation, that was all it took for Joel Courtney to obviously become like a main suspect in Brooks' disappearance all the pieces were coming together, he fit the description of, you know, the type of person that they were looking for. His criminal background just was fitting for kind of the situation with Brooke as well. They learned that Joel, his wife and children had been visiting McBride, who was his sister, in the Portland suburbs in May of 2004. So that immediately placed him in the area at the time of Brooke's abduction. His cell phone also placed him in Corvallis that morning as well. When investigators tracked down a work van that he had been driving at the time and discovered Brooke's DNA intermingled with Joel's inside of the van, obviously that was it, bingo, they had enough evidence to file charges against him um and ultimately he pleaded guilty in 2009 to aggravated murder in exchange for prosecutors not seeking the death penalty um so he pleaded guilty so he wouldn't get death but he was sentenced to life in prison without parole
1: which is where he needs to be
0: exactly he's in the right place now
1: And you might as well just confess and take a plea, because we all know you did it. Right, exactly. Like, Like, at this point, like...
0: I think it's crazy when people will still try to deny it when their evidence... Like, like in this case, his evidence, or his DNA, is entangled with hers. In his van, his cell phone (laughs) records show him in that place, he was in town, like, it's obviously... It was obviously him. Um... So, yeah, Joel had been trolling for co-eds near the university when he spotted Brooke. So, he was already out there looking. And then he spotted Brooke out there working, cleaning the flagpole or whatever it was with the bucket. And that's when he spotted her and tried to figure out, like, he chose to go after her. So... Yeah, he had spotted Brooke, pulled her into his van, raped her, and then sadly he had killed her. So, although her killer was finally discovered, obviously Brooke's family was still desperate to find her remains. Um, Her sister Stephanie had said, we just wanted to bring her home. Ultimately, five years after her disappearance... Joel agreed to reveal where he hid the body in exchange for allowing him to serve out his life sentence in New Mexico where he could be closer to his family. Um, Joel's agreement to tell officials where he had left her body after kidnapping, raping and murdering her was part of a plea deal to avoid the death penalty, he said. Now, Haroldson said that the Wilberger family was involved in the process and agreed with the decision and that Joel Courtney would have a sentence of true life. So, 42-year-old Joel Courtney pleaded guilty to aggravated murder and received a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Brooke was identified in part by a watch that her mother had given her the Christmas before her death. So that was kind of the identifying piece to, like, confirm, okay, yes, this, this was her body. Um, Her sister Stephanie says, I could be 80 years old and have my entire life behind me, and I don't think that I will ever reflect on what happened to her and be okay with it. Time's not going to make that okay, which is just heartbreaking and... Has to be so true for so many people who have lost loved ones in like a manner like this, you know. I feel like people say with things like this, Oh, time heals all, but I don't think that's
1: always true. No, there's always going to be a part of you that's broken inside that it's kind of like a broken mirror, you can put it back together, mm-hmm. but it's always going to have cracks,
0: exactly. Like, you can live out your life and have happy moments and obviously, like, move on with your life in certain ways, but you're never going to forget or not feel sad about something like this when you think about it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they had found her killer, obviously, and that he's behind bars for life. And so her family could have some closure in that way. But it's just sick and twisted. Like, this this world is just so fucked,
1: <laughs> you know? It really is. She's not lying. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, like, it's sad because if it wasn't her, if he didn't spot her, it would have been someone else because he was on the prowl for a girl her age.
1: Sickening enough, he was out hunting.
0: Yep. And I'm glad he was caught. I mean, obviously... The last girl that he attempted to do this to, thankfully, got away and lived. But who knows He how many other people he did this to. He totally could have done it to, like, a slew of other people, and they just haven't figured it out yet. And he's not going to say anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm glad he's behind bars for life so he can't ever do it again. But it is sad to just think, obviously, he did it at least once. But I'm... My mind tells me he did it more than once, especially if he had been doing certain things like that since he was like a kid. Not a good, uh, not a good start there.
1: Yeah, how many animals did he kill in his backyard?
0: Right, exactly. So um, I got all this from Wiki, ABC News, Oxygen, Oxygen True Crime. Um, so shout out to them. I thought I would throw in a couple of less classlesslier criminal cases to kick off season three, just for some laughs at the end of this uh,
1: dork episode. Oh snap! Well, hit us with it, girl. I know. What you find? These are
0: two short ones, but you know, short and sweet. We love them. They come from Dave and Chuck the Freak. Shout out to them. They're awesome. Um, So, the first less classier criminal of two, I was about to say 2003, of season three, 2023, (laughs) (laughs) um, a half-naked woman was arrested in Memphis on Monday after her birthday celebration got a little bit out of hand. Birthday girl, Kiara Welch, she has been accused of reckless endangerment, drug possession, and being in possession of a handgun while intoxicated. According to reports, Welch was firing a gun out of the window while riding in a car driven by her boyfriend. When police found them and pulled them over, they found a gun and a bag of weed, which she admitted was hers for, quote, turning up for her birthday. (laughs) They also noted that she was very visibly intoxicated, half-dressed, and just constantly laughing the whole time. Um, she was arrested. And yeah, I guess you can't fire a gun out a window to celebrate your birthday. Oh she was really trying to ring in her birthday
1: with those shots fired. Your boyfriend was probably so pissed. <laughs> you know mean- you can drink at all and have a handgun on you a gun on you at all no 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 like and pat always has to decide is he gonna carry for the night or is he gonna drink for the night right you know and uh (laughs) she's off that list forever for having a gun
0: for real i wonder like what the penalty she got was you know what i'm sure it was
1: hefty fine
0: because she got she had drugs on her too so like that was also on it
1: the weed doesn't help. I'm sure they probably would have overlooked that for yeah. her birthday had she not been...
0: Shooting out a gun. <laughs> she could have killed someone, dude. Like, people are crazy out here. I love, though, that her her excuse for having the weed was, well, yeah, I'm turning up for my birthday. <laughs> like, I love that she told cops that. It's <laughs> for so turning up oh for my God. birthday. <laughs>
1: I wonder if is a twenty-first.
0: I know, right?
1: She yes. sounds like really young and dumb.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. So the next one that we have, um, a man he entered a Chase Bank branch in Seminole, Florida. But he was armed only with his finger guns.
1: Pew, he, pew, 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 pew. pew. <laughs>
0: He approached the bank teller with his hand under his shirt. Um, Then, according to police, he made the shape of a gun with his finger and demanded the teller hand over cash and told her not to push any buttons as he waited. Like, I'm assuming he means, like, the emergency help buttons or whatever. Um, And the man had fled the scene with a whole $120 but was arrested about 10 minutes after the robbery when police found him. He had no weapons on him. I think it's so funny. Lowe's right now, guys, she's <laughs> trying to, like, imitate doing a handgun under and it, her I
1: shirt. mean, it clearly does not look like no. a gun. Like, no. you can clearly tell. That's my fingers. That's your
0: fingers. I guess, like, though, if I was a bank teller, I would be like... I don't know. I would be kind of...
1: <laughs> Get the F out of here.
0: I would, but also I'd be nervous. What if he did have a gun, like, somewhere else on him? I don't really know. Like, I feel like I would still panic in that moment because I'd be like, what's going on? But also, like, he was using his fingers. Like, he didn't even have a gun.
1: <laughs> and he only got a $120. Like, just, just take the money. You're going through some crazy-ass efforts. Obviously, you need this money. I know.
0: That's what I'm thinking. Like so crazy. People are wild. People yeah. are bold. That's what they are. They're freaking bold when they should not be bold. <laughs> like, who thinks, I'm going to go rob a bank, but I don't have a gun, so let me just, like, use my hand under my shirt.
1: I wonder what his charge actually is, because he wasn't in danger. I mean, maybe right. attempt of robbery or whatever. Well, but... he
0: did rob them, technically, because he got $120, but he probably, for sure, it wasn't armed robbery. He... He wanted it to be, but it wasn't.
1: It's got to be like, like the judge is like, how do I even, like, Like what sentence
0: do I even give this idiot? He needs extra sentencing on his conviction just for being stupid. A little
1: bit of mental help, some therapy.
0: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But yeah, um, I just thought I'd throw those on there for, to kick off season one, have a little laugh at the end.
1: But it's not the very end yet.
0: Not yet.
1: Okay, so we're going to talk about a little movie that we watched. Another one that I threw at Crystal. And we will do it in just one minute. Counselor! Is that you? Counselor!
0: Come out, come out wherever you are.
1: So, if you're not sure what that movie is, that would be Cape Fear with the one, the only, Robert De Niro.
0: Yeah, he killed this role. This was such a different role for him than I've ever seen him in.
1: Yes, so there is two Movies of Cape Fear. There's a 19, I think it was 60s, um, and then there's also 1991, which is a remake, which is the one we watched, and it stars the legendary Robert De Niro, Jessica Lange, Juliette Lewis, which I love her, and Nick Nolte. And it's funny because when it first came on, I couldn't help but laugh because Chris Doddle. During her, the opening scene, and I quote, well, hello, De Niro. And she says it's because he's ripped in this movie. I've like, never
0: seen Robert De Niro, like, ripped. And he's ripped.
1: young in this movie. He was younger like. and
0: ripped, and I was like, well, dang, I've never seen him like this.
1: And I'm just like, uh hold that thought. We'll get back to you in about 20 minutes because... He's not a nice guy. He's not a good boy. No, no, no. Then I got
0: disgusted and I was I got like the world's biggest ick and I was like, Ew, never mind. He's gross. No offense to Robert De Niro because like he's not gross, but like his character made him gross.
1: So in this movie he's convicted. He gets convicted on criminal charges for raping a fifteen year old girl. And I think he said he was there for what, fifteen years? Yeah, I think it was fifteen somewhere around there. And he gets out of prison and he decides he's going to go after his defense lawyer who he feels let him down because had he not thrown in a tad bit of information that he came across that this girl was promiscuous, which just because she was promiscuous it doesn't mean that she was willing to sleep with him. She still could have been raped.
0: That's what I hate is, like, she doesn't deserve to be raped just because she was, like, flirty or whatever. Yeah.
1: So, he sat on it because the girl is 15 and De Niro's character is now pissed saying, you could have got me out, but... He's out
0: for revenge.
1: Nalty's character did the right thing and was like, no, you need... You know, whatever. Yeah.
0: Which is, like, impressive because a lot of defense attorneys would not do that. They would do whatever they can to win their case. So, hats off to him. Like... I didn't, like, love his character. I didn't think he was, like, the most amazing guy ever. But, like, that I do respect because a lot of lawyers would just do whatever they can to win the case, even if they know that their client is in the wrong.
1: And it's funny that you say that because in the movie he kind of has, like, a... Not really, but headed towards a side piece. Yep. and Pretty much. He was right there. Or just, like, he's not even that... He's not, like, a eye candy type guy like no, no, no offense no. nick sorry but no, he's not didn't do it for us yeah so when sam which is nick nolte's character comes across the information like i said he decides to sit on it instead and that causes havoc on his family and they just go through a bunch of scenarios of this guy stalking torturing um the family and he's going individually you know talks to the wife tries to go through the daughter he's just sick um but some of my favorite quotes was every good man wrestles with the devil counselor Yep. (laughs) um and then there was the one we played for you Come out, come out, wherever you are, a counselor. And I love how he calls him counselor through the whole movie. Yeah, it's that extra creepy vibe, but everything's <laughs> just like counselor. Like, it is an
0: extra creepy vibe. He was super creepy but throughout
1: the whole movie. It it's I like it. Um, so then you have Juliet Lewis. She plays her sixteen year old child, and I don't know how to explain her because. She doesn't seem like I don't want to say she's like mentally retarded or anything, but there's something slow about her character. Like mm-hmm. she seems almost like a, a 13 or 14 year, like she mentality seems, wise, yeah, like,
0: like younger. So
1: they make people. it seem like something's wrong with her. They just don't say what it is that's right. wrong with her. Um, but again, she did a great job with this role. Um,
0: she plays that kind of role well. <laughs>
1: And then I wanted to ask you, okay, so let's talk about the end of the movie when he's singing and babbling on as he's handcuffed to the sinking boat for his final scene. Like,
0: talk about creepy. I don't understand. Like, he was like Michael Myers. Like, he would not die. Like, they kept doing things where, like, in real life he would be dead But he just kept pushing through and kept living on. But then, yeah, at the end, he was, like, unfazed. And he was just, like, creepily doing this rhyme thing. And it was, like, ew, that's
1: gross. You could hear him doing it as the bubbles were going. Yeah, I'm, like, is he
0: okay? Like, I mean, obviously not. But I meant, like, mentally, like, it was gross to even just watch. I didn't like it. It Gave me the heebie-jeebies.
1: So what would you say your overall review of this 2023 review of you seeing a 1991 movie
0: I liked it I like those kinds of movies like it was for sure a slow burner I'll say you know like it it took time to like build up for things to happen but I kind of like that because it builds suspense and it's also like you're like when is he gonna crack when is he gonna do something um I liked it I thought it was good I thought they all like acting wise did a really good job with each of their roles um i love jessica Lange, like classics smoking the cigarette just like every scene yeah just like she does in american horror story like she's just iconic like she's so cool but yeah it was just my favorite thing was how different robert de niro was in this movie than any other character i've ever seen him play like
1: because you're probably used to him as like meet the Fockers, yeah and... <laughs>
0: like as like the good guy or like or like even if he was like kind of like gangsterish in like other movies like it was different. This was like he was a really bad creepy guy. So it was just like weird to see him as this. And yeah, he was ripped, which I was like, wow, never knew. <laughs> never knew that he, Robert De had that going on, but yeah. It was it was a good one.
1: So I give it 4 out of wine, 4 wine glasses out of 5.
0: Yeah, I would too. I'd give it 4.
1: My only grievance in this movie is that even though they didn't show it, they very much implied it. And you knew, you knew this man killed their dog.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I almost forgot. You just fired, you just lit a fire under me because... Why do
1: they have to kill the dog?
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, we need to, like, start a petition. That's what <laughs> I think. Like, horror, one, crime starts a petition for stop killing animals in movies. I mean, and in real life. Like, we don't support that <laughs> even more so. But, like, in movies, why does this have to happen? It just kills the vibe. It makes me hate what's happening. I don't even want to continue because I'm, like, really?
1: That's why I saved it for the very end.
0: Yeah. Piss me off, man. She's
1: going to do a shot when we get out to kind of calm herself to down. To calm
0: myself down. He for sure killed the dog. Like, there's no other explanation.
1: Other than that, I think it's a good movie, like you said. I like the movies back then. They gave it suspense. They build up. There's a story and as much as I do like new movies, but I feel like a lot of them are so much the same. The paranormal the Insidious Insidious conjuring. which my daughter and her friend are watching part two right now. <laughs> um, the the nun, the they're all like I'm not saying they're not bad, they're not good movies, but I feel like they're all in that same genre now, where, like, everything is just, like... Yeah. It's not... I will
0: say, I like those movies a lot. They're fun and entertaining, but this type of movie is 10 million times more realistic.
1: So that has the creepier vibe, because it can really happen, like... Oh,
0: for sure. And, like, the way that it was, like, like, the way the script was, the storyline, it was way more realistic than even, like, some murder movies today... A lot of them are like so unrealistic that it's like this wouldn't happen, so I for sure like that aspect of it as
1: well. Cool, I have another one in mind that might have to show her. I don't know if she's seen it or not, but I got a lot of them in my back pocket. She's got a
0: lot up her sleeve. She'll be like, Oh, have you ever seen this movie? and I'm like, No, and then she'll be like, Okay, we'll add it to the list have you ever seen this movie? Or she'll quote something from a movie, and I'm like, what? (laughs) She just looks at me like I'm the worst person ever.
1: (laughs) But if you have any movies that you think I should show, Kay, email us or let us know on our Facebook, Instagram, and uh, we will watch it and review it. And even if we did see it, we will definitely review it and talk about it on the show as well and give you our thoughts and opinions on it.
0: For sure, and we can shout you out if you'd like to. Um, so make sure you send in those requests because we love doing them.
1: Absolutely. And well, we have the rest of our day that we have to go and do. But you know what? We will be back next week with a new episode.
0: Yes, we will.
1: So on that note, we got to go.
0: Stay creepy, y'all. Happy season three.
1: Whoop, whoop. Bye. Bye. <laughs>